everybody. You are listening to Hotter Than Health, the podcast. This is a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, and an overall healthy lifestyle. My name is Eliza Gellman, and I am so happy to have you here with me for today's episode. Everybody, this is Eliza with Hotter Than Health, episode 99, y'all. If you can believe it, we have made it. It's been two plus years and we've made it through 99 episodes. Um, I have a special one for you guys today. I have Erin Gagne on the podcast. You probably remember her from episode 79. We talked about what to eat to heal your gut probiotics, IBS regularity. We talked about a ton of anti-aging foods last time. So if you're interested more in gut health, um, we do touch on gut health today, but today we're going to be talking about master hormones. We're talking about cortisol. We're talking about melatonin, how to sleep, what to eat, what we need to be getting out of our pantry, what we should be looking for as symptoms of a specific hormone dominance. Um, I had no idea that the thyroid issues could show up in so many different ways. You guys know that I'm very, um, I'm specifically interested in the thyroid because of my mom and I am just, I'm literally hopping on Amazon right now to order a couple of things that we talked about towards the end of the episode. Uh, It's just... It's such a good episode and she gives so many tips and she gives so many facts and and what I really like about Erin is that we we go into all these things and she really explains it in a way that we can understand when we're talking about hormones. She explains what a hormone is. She explains what types of hormone imbalances can lead to what symptoms. So I had no idea that we should be looking at uh, like the color of our period. We had no, I had no idea we should be looking at the length of it. I had no idea we should be looking at the ends of our hair. We should be looking at, you know, the ends of our fucking eyebrows. That is honestly, I'm going to go into the bathroom and inspect myself. Um, so <laughs> this has been a very eye-opening, uh, a very eye-opening, but not scary episode. I, I think that this is something we all need to hear. It's, so 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 amazing and I think that if anybody has struggled with any type of thyroid issue if you think that you might have some type of hormonal imbalance if you think that you're struggling with your gut health this is an episode for you it's an episode for you to share Um, and before we get into this episode with Erin Gagne I do want to shout out our review of the week I have been whoring out this podcast trying to get reviews trying to build up this platform Um, My goal is to, I mean, it'd be great if this podcast could make 100k per episode, like, let's manifest that, so put that in the world, guys, but either way, I have really been trying to grow the reviews because that is the strongest way to promote it on SEO, so online, it'll show up easier on iTunes for people to find, all you have to do is you go to your podcast app, you go to your iTunes, you scroll to the very, very, very bottom of all the episodes, and it says all the reviews, it's like, oh, 108 ratings, 5 out of 5 stars, blah, 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 you can tap on all the 5 stars, look, I just rated myself, because I'm a psychopath, and then I wrote a review for myself, no, I didn't, but oh my god, I actually did, I actually didn't mean to, but here we are, um, so I just wanted to shout out our review of the week, 
Thank you so, so much. Reach out to me. Hales Christine. I really appreciate you writing this review. I'm going to read it part of it in just a second. But yeah, if you write a review and I choose it as the review of the week, reach out to me. Send me a DM on Instagram at Eliza G underscore wellness. Or you can go on to my website. The link is in the bio of the show notes and send me a message on the blurb and I will reach out to you and I'm going to send you a coffee from wherever you get it. All right. So the podcast uh, review says, Eliza, I've been following your podcast weekly for months. I've trained with you and trained with you at Hilo and I'm excited to see you travel down this new path in your life of which you are well suited. I'm writing you a review with five stars so that more and more people can share this and engage with you. Your personality is excellent for a podcast, fun and light, but clearly passionate. I love your send a coffee review that you start on started on episode 97 and it led me to writing this review. She said it's long overdue and guys, this girl has it. I do have some pushback on a few things over the past few months, but this is a good thing because it encourages us to have a conversation. I couldn't agree more, hails Christine. I truly could not agree more. I think that it is so beautiful for people to have different perspectives. I don't care who you voted for. I don't care if you want to wear a mask or if you don't wear a mask. I don't care how woke you are. I care that we have opinions and I, I care that we can keep an open conversation. I think that once we get so polarized that we can no longer have a conversation, that is when our world is going to turn to chaos. If we can all just keep an open mind and you don't have to agree with everything, but you do have to keep an open mind and understand that people are going to be different from you people are going to believe different things people are going to feel different things people aren't always going to feel the way that you feel and that is okay not everything is so black and white there are of course things in the world that we should be focusing on that you know generally just be a good person you know focus on that but overall I just appreciate you guys so much and I appreciate you guys letting me speak my mind letting me speak some science some opinion some woo-woo shit and keep growing this podcast that is all I ask you guys are amazing thank you Hales Christine you know how to reach me and I look forward to hearing from you but before we get into today's episode one quick plug for Aura Organics just started working with them recently and I just with my roommate we simultaneously put clicked our order yesterday. We are both ordering a new bottle of the um, clean and lean protein. So we both do the chocolate kind. So we'll get the chocolate. She actually recently just got a, um, she got a gut health support probiotic. I got a probiotic in the pill form. So if you go into Aura Organics and check out their um, information. What I really like about Aura Organics is that they talk about every single ingredient in there and what it does. So it doesn't have a bunch of the bullshit ingredients that you can't pronounce. It doesn't have any toxic fillers, no pesticides. It's all organic, non-GMO. It's all made with completely regulated and um, fully, fully researched and clean ingredients. So they really put all of their ingredients through the ringer as far as their cleanliness, um, whether or not they have any types of heavy metals or toxins. That is why I'm obsessed with this brand. That is why I've been trying to reach them and work with them for years now. So um, I couldn't be happier. They are the only brand that I recommend to people for protein powders, for probiotics, which I just ordered. I can't wait. Um, my boyfriend just ordered them ordered a pre-workout for them. He's trying to substitute his afternoon coffee. So all these little things, I think that, it, you know, I'm not saying that supplements are the end-all be-all, but if you're 
you're going to use them and you use them anyways, then I'd rather you just switch over to a more organic form. So if you do check them out, Aura Organics, O-R-A Organics, use the code ELIZAG15 for any of your products and get 15% off. You will not regret it. No sugars, no preservatives, no adds, no bullshit. It's amazing. So without further ado, we're going to talk health hormones and all the good stuff on this episode. Grab your pen, grab your paper. You are going to want to read and write the entire time with episode 99 with Erin Gagne. Hi, Erin. How are you? Hi, I'm good. It's nice to see your face. (laughs) I know. It's been a little while. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You've had some stuff going on. (laughs) We all have, that's for sure. <laughs> tell us. Yes, I moved states, so I'm back in South Carolina now with you. I'm in yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Good so, to be back by the beach. So tell us what's been going on. Tell us about your transition into more hormone-dominant lifestyle and occupation and all that jazz. Yeah. So I, um, it's actually crazy because I think the universe conspires things to happen. Um, so I was... I was living in Charlotte and doing mostly um, a lot more aesthetics and and building a hormone program there. And then COVID happened and I just decided to make the move back to South Carolina near my family. And um, a roundabout way, the the company that I worked with there, Bodylogic MD, that I did mostly hormones and integrative medicine with, they actually corporate reached out to me and said, hey, we're building this platform. We want to reach more states and help more people. And will you, you know, come on board and help see clients and train nurse practitioners? So that's what I'm doing now. And it's, uh, it's super fun. So it's hormones all day long. <laughs> that's amazing. And I guess it's yeah. becoming like second nature to you. Oh yeah. And it's, what's so interesting about it too, is in school, like nursing and in graduate school, I hated the endocrine system because it's so complicated. Right. Um, and now it's all I do. (laughs) I feel the same way. I feel like it's like science with food science to me. It's like, I would never ever in high school, I used to just cringe or, you know, get so stressed thinking about science. And then now it's all I think about. It's interesting. I know. Um, well, so specifically, I know you work with women and you're training nurse practitioners to be able to educate people on their hormones, but some of the main questions that we always get is like, what are hormones? Why are they important? Um, and and I don't think that people really understand the magnitude at which our environment and our diet and our lifestyle can affect our hormones. And I feel like it's just become this ambiguous term. So yeah, let's, can we narrow down the main hormones, what they do, what they look like? Yeah. Yeah. So I I love that you said that because I think hormones are so complicated and we, there's so many of them right in our body. Um, And I think when, when people they just say, oh, it, it's my hormones and they chalk it up to that. But there's there's so many different hormones. And I think most of us probably think about um, the sex hormones, right? So, um, but there's so many more than that. So we have to think back to like, what exactly is a hormone? So basically they're just chemical messengers, right? And they send signals to glands, to all the glands, to whether they're the ovaries or the testes or the adrenals. Um, And the main point of a hormone is to be the communication system throughout the body. But 
they're like, I think the best analogy is like a symphony, right? So if one person is like out of tune that night, then the whole kind of symphony starts to shift and it kind of starts to sound like crap, right? And it's kind of what happens in the body is like one goes off and then everything else starts to shift and then it all feels yucky. And so that's a tricky part about hormones is that it's not just one, they have to be in perfect balance in order for everything to feel good. Um, And if one is out of balance, then the rest of them could fall out of balance too, but you're not going to feel right. So I work, I work with men and women. So, um, you know, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, those are the sex hormones. I work with those all day long, but we also know that it's so important to look at things like the thyroid gland and also cortisol too. Um, And even vitamin D that is actually a hormone because all these things need to be in balance too. So what I want to just go over really quickly, because I think the easiest way to understand your your sex hormones first is understanding your cycle as a woman. And most people don't even understand that um, because it actually is quite complicated. Um, But if you don't understand it, you really don't know what's going on in your body, right? And so how can you know when something's off? You, You really can't. So if you break down the cycle, we're talking about a 28-day cycle, just assuming that it's a normal cycle. So it should be anywhere from 28 to 30 days. So um, it breaks it up in three phases. So I'm, I'm going to kind of break it in the medical term, three phases. I'm going to easier way for you to remember it too. So the first phase is days one through 14, and that's your fo- follicular phase or the estrogen phase. And it's estrogen phase because that's when estrogen is more dominant or or higher, we say. And the main goal of, of this part of the phase is to get you ready for ovulation, right? Because the human, the woman's body is designed to procreate. <laughs> so that's the whole goal of this month is to get the body ready. And if it doesn't happen, to get them ready again, basically. Um, so during this first phase, day one is going to be the first day you menstruate. So if you're trying to track your cycle, it's day one. You menstruate, knock that off on the calendar is day one, right? So during this, your estrogen is still probably a little bit low. Then around day three, it starts to elevate. And estrogen is really just trying to help um, prepare that endometrial lining to be like all nice and fluffy and cozy so that if you do get pregnant, the baby has a nice little environment, right? Um, But estrogen has so many different functions too and what I don't think people realize. So it's protective against your brain. It's been proven to help protect it against Alzheimer's. It is protective against um, your heart. It helps keep that vaginal lining nice and lubricated. Um, helps keep your skin hydrated, helps with bone strength, like so many different things, vasomotor symptoms like hot flashes. So it has so many wonderful benefits on top of, obviously, it's going to be what stimulates your cycle. So as this starts to rise in that first period, um, you're going to have, you know, everyone's cycle is going to vary from days one through five. And that just depends on a lot of different things. Um, how long your cycle is. But another thing too, is you want to see the quality of your menses. Is it bright red? Is it light? Is it dark? That can tell you the health of your cycle too. So it's actually really cool. Oh shit. What do the colors mean? (laughs) You know, if you have bright red blood um, that is like not super clotty, then that's really what you want. When it's lighter, it may mean that you don't have enough estrogen. And when it's 
dark and cloudy and really heavy, that could mean that you have too much estrogen or things are off. So, um, you know, when people tell me, uh, you know, I only have a cycle, it lasts like a day, that's probably really not completely normal. Um, it should be bright red blood for at least a couple of days and somewhat not heavy, but moderate. And then it tapers off again. Um, so looking at the quality is actually a way that you can tell if your hormones are kind of in check or not. Um, so that's one. I little- had no idea. <laughs> yeah. I, have a, I have a question and this is probably gross. Yeah. Okay, here we are. Um, and then I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you keep talking. because This is so interesting, but what if, okay, so I wear a diva cup, so I don't have to change it every few hours. It's like, I can change it every like eight or nine. Like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And so that it's not like fresh, fresh blood, you know, that, and that sounds gross, but Hey, um, but then also like if you're wearing a tampon for like six hours and then again, that's not like fresh blood. How can you tell like, all the time, whether or not, what if it looks dark one day? What if when you wake up in the morning, you're like, that's not bright. You know, how to, is it afterwards? Is it the first day? Yeah, you, you can kind of tell from the first day because you're going to obviously see it, you know, or as you wipe, you can see it, but you can still tell even from the diva cup and in there, like trying to see the color of it. It's a little bit harder with that and even with tampons, but you can still tell, um, you know, if you're going through, um, six to seven tampons in a day, or you're changing your diva cup every three hours, then you know that maybe that's too much and something's not right. Um, but it's a little bit more challenging when you're using that to try to, to determine the, totally. the color of it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's now, kind they're of come, now they're coming out with all these different underwear yeah. that are like pad underwear and they're like, just wash the whole underwear. I'm like, you know, that might be for some people. It's not for me. It's not for me. No, I agree. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So again, as estrogen starts to rise, when you get to around day nine or 10, you may notice that you have a little bit more energy. Um, You may even start to break out a little bit or that you may be a little bit more in the mood. And that's because that's when your testosterone starts to rise, right? And so the reason why that happens during your cycle is because we're, we're leading up to ovulation. So we're trying to prepare the female to be ready to procreate, right? So a testosterone is obviously you may notice that you have a little bit more energy this time. So you may be doing like higher intensity workouts. Your libido may be going up. So that's what testosterone helps with too, helps build strong bones, helps again, protect your brain. And it's obviously known for um, helping with physique, but I think that's where it gets its bad name too, because a lot of people misuse testosterone. Um, testosterone is actually, we have to have it and it really helps us feel like um, the people we're supposed to be, but when we're overusing it, um, it can really have some negative consequences. So that's where just my PSA, it's actually good for us. <laughs> so some, then as, yeah. as you through this cycle, um, you're going to start to elevate your FSH and your luteinizing hormone. And then day 14 is when you ovulate. So this is, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do is fertilize this egg during this time. So around ovulation can occur anywhere from day 12 to 14. It, it varies in women, but you can know this in your body if you're not on birth control. One, by looking at your discharge, you may have some like egg white type discharge. That's That means you're ovulating. Or some people may feel like a heaviness in the right side of their pelvis. That, that means that you're releasing that egg. So 
Um, a, a lot of women that aren't on birth control can feel that when you're on birth control, obviously it's shutting down ovulation. So you won't feel that. Um, so I think that's a really easy way to know that. Um, it's also, you know, nice to know that too, because if you're trying not to get pregnant, you can know around when you're about to ovulate because remember, um, sperm is stored in the vaginal canal for five days, right? What? Yeah. So that's why these, these tracking apps, I know they tell you, I think most of them tell you what you should do is not, um, have sex five days before ovulation or two days after, right? Because what happens is if you ovulate and that egg is not fertilized, well, within 24 hours, it just dissipates. It's going to die. Um, and, and an egg is not fertilized. A baby is not made, right? But if you have um, sex on day 10 and then you ovulate on day 13, there is a chance that that sperm, if you did not use protection, is still alive and you can, you can fertilize an egg and get pregnant. What if you have sex like two, <laughs> week, two weeks before you ovulate no. and I'm on birth control. So you're, it's not, is there a 100% chance that you're not going to have, get pregnant? Two weeks prior is, is very difficult. I mean, your window is going to be that, that basically that week of ovulation because really there's, <laughs> which is incredible because there's so many unplanned pregnancies, right? But there really is like only a couple of days throughout the, the month that you ultimately could get pregnant because you're ovulating, right? Okay. But just like again, a crapshoot of which of those days. Yeah. So the, the problem with a lot of women is they don't know when they're ovulating or they have um, irregular cycles. So they really can't plan that out. And so that ha that's how that happens. But if you know you always ovulate, around day 12 to 14, then you can just plan around that, you know, always use, I mean, should you be using PSA protection anyways, but you know, if you're not on birth control, then those five days before and two days after, just be extra careful because that it, there is a chance. So actually a very small window to get pregnant. <laughs> and I don't think people realize that until they're actually trying to get pregnant, right? <laughs> Usually mm -hmm. that's how it happens. Um, okay, so then we're at day 14. What happens now is we're, this is the ovulatory cycle. And now we're moving down into the luteal phase or the progesterone dominant phase. And so this is usually days 14 through 28. And so progesterone is like the more calming of the hormones, right? So it's, its goal is to prepare the uterus um, to maintain a pregnancy, right? It's, it's helping balancing out the estrogen. It's helping balancing out neurotransmitters. So it's, you know, calming anxiety and depression, all those type of symptoms. So towards this end of the cycle, you may notice um, that you may have a little bit less energy because it's just kind of more calming. Um, and that's okay. You just have to listen to your body, you know? Um, but progesterone is, is one of those things that, that actually stop, starts to drop off earlier in our lives, like in our late 20s. So yeah, so our hormones can come out of balance, you know, pretty quickly. And then you add in things like birth control really early on. Um, and that just kind of sets us up for an unsuccessful future with our hormones. Would you say when, and we'll probably get into this, but would you say that since progesterone is more of like a quelling, calming type of hormone, that mm -hmm. those are like, if you are super, super stressed, anxious, depressed, insomniac, do you think that that has any relation to low progesterone? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
obviously you always want to look at all the hormones, but a lot of time in women in their, you know, late twenties, early thirties, um, obviously you won't necessarily see estrogen being out of balance because their ovaries are still working. If they're ovulating, they're making estrogen. Um, but a lot of times their, their progesterone has dropped off to a point where it's not enough to balance that estrogen progesterone ratio. So you will see things like poor sleep. Um, you will see things more like breast tenderness, like estrogen dominant symptoms, anxiety, depression. Um, so a lot of times I'll put women on low dose um, cyclic progesterone to help with those symptoms. And what I mean by cyclic is you'll basically take it the, the back half of your cycle, days 12 through 28, when your progesterone is supposed to be highest, but it's not. Got it. Trying to mimic your cycle, basically. Interesting. So, yeah, absolutely. I see that a lot. Um, what I wanted to touch on too was talking about how birth control can kind of throw this whole mix off, right? So, I mean, I know I was personally on birth control from 16 to, I don't know, 30, I think, 30 something. And then I finally was like, this is probably not good. So, you know, basically it, it's, and I'm not shaming birth control because you, you have to do what's right for you. Um, I just think that there's better forms of birth control than others. Um, and so, you know, when you're, when you're not ovulating, essentially that it's not normal, right? Your body should ovulate. And basically this is what birth control is doing. So it, it depends on what kind of birth control you are on, but you're basically getting a low and a constant steady dose of synthetic estrogen, progesterone, or both, right? So what that does is, you know, the pituitary gland is the master gland that's going to talk to the gland, the the glands like the ovaries and the testes and tell them to make hormones, right? So when you're on birth control, it basically is is shutting, is tricking the pituitary gland into shutting down the ovary. So your ovary is basically going to be like, oh, wow, look at those blood levels of, of hormones. I don't need to do anything. So I'm just going to like hang out and not make anything. So you're, you're basically hanging out in this constant luteal phase or the back phase of your cycle where your ovary is shut down, right? So it's not making hormones, which sounds like it'd be pretty great, right? I mean, the calming phase, cool. But this is actually where a lot of those, you know, um, pre-menstrual symptoms start to develop. So the breast tenderness, the back pain, the fatigue, but what's happening is you're not stimulating LH. So it's not going to stimulate to make other hormones more specifically like testosterone, right? So every kind of birth control you're on causes a testosterone deficiency because we're not giving you testosterone in your pill, right? We're giving you some synthetic estrogen and, and progesterone to mimic those symptoms. So that's why a lot of people um, are like, oh, I feel better when I'm on birth control because they're getting that. But what happens over time is those those synthetic forms um, occupy the receptors falsely. So it doesn't fit perfectly into the body. And eventually it just wreaks havoc on, on the body and throws everything off. And one of the biggest things you'll see is that testosterone because birth control has shut down that production of testosterone. And most birth controls, I'm sure you know too, is our oral, right? So when you take an oral pill, um, like estrogen-based um, uh, birth control, it has to go through something called first-pass metabolism through the liver, right? So the liver 
has to break it down, which is really harsh on the liver. So what happens is the liver produces something called SHBG or sex hormone binding globulin, which eats up testosterone, right? So if you had any testosterone, well, now that's going to gobble it up. So it binds all the testosterone up. So you're going to have low testosterone, but it also binds up your thyroid too. So then you'll see these women that are like, I gained weight on the pill. I struggle with fatigue. I have no libido. And this is why, because it basically has eaten all that up. Interesting. And not to say that you can't naturally burn fat, but you know, testosterone does help with sure fat metabolism so that yeah that's really interesting because yeah a lot of people say that like their skin is glowy and they um really they just feel like safe and i don't know like it's convenient to take a pill you know which is again fine however you want to do it i did it for 12 15 years yeah Um, and then i switched to an iud which i thought i was doing myself a favor but then again i realized i was like well that's still hormones in my body and i realized like how terrible i felt on that one so i switched to a i switched to no birth control for two years which was great but then i started dating someone consistently and i was like selfishly i'm just gonna get on a um copper iud so it's still like a that's exactly what i would tell you to do that's Mm -hmm. perfect so i don't think a lot of people know some of their options as far as switching a lot of people. I I talk to clients all the time. The number one question that I ask them if they're struggling for weight gain, they're like, I don't know why I've gained, you know, 20 pounds in the past year. I'm like, that is drastic weight gain. So what, what is changing? And they're like, well, no, it couldn't be my birth control. I've been on birth control for, you know, 10 plus years. I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's still, you know, it could still be your lifestyle affecting those hormones. So what are some um, ways for people to overcome that obstacle if they don't know where to start as far as non-hormonal birth control? Yeah, so I mean, the IUDs are a great option and really IUD because <laughs> there's the Mirena, which is still a progestin-based um, birth control, right? So it's synthetic progestin, which we now know is has been linked to helping contribute to things like breast cancer and um, ovarian cancer, right? It, it increases your risk. So the thing with the IUD with the Mirena is it delivers it, yes, directly to the uterus. So they say it doesn't absorb systemically and mess up your hormones, but I'm not convinced about that. So I don't recommend that to my patients. I was also on the thing. Jobs don't do anything, but, and then again, they're like saying that there's now all these leaks. It, and all these, you know, exactly. like, oh, it's so hard to know what to believe. It is. So um, I recommend the copper IUD because it's it's doing exactly like you said, it's non-hormonal. It's basically just causing a blockade. So that sperm is not going to be able to get up where it needs to go, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it. of all the things, it's your best option. I know a lot of doctors say if you haven't had a baby, they don't recommend it. They just say that because your, your uterus, you know, hasn't contracted. They have to get into your cervix. So it's going to be a little bit more painful, but um, I, I don't, I think it's such a quick procedure and it's such a great option for women that need something that it's, it's probably your, your best option. So yeah, I, I really think that or tracking it naturally are the ways that you have to go, but that's a, a risky gamble if you aren't doing it correctly. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who is in their late twenties, say like 28, 29, who doesn't even have a period right now. They like don't know where to start. They're off birth control, but they have an irregular cycle. They sometimes get it, they sometimes don't. Where would you tell them to start? 
So, you know, anytime someone's not getting a cycle, especially if it's been like three months or more, it, it's not normal, right? Because that's basically, you're not ovulating. So something is wrong. Um, so if it's been that long, I always tell people at least get tested so that you can see what's going on. And I, I recommend either a urine test or a saliva test because for women, that's going to be more specific. Blood is not always going to tell us everything we need to know. So those are my two favorite forms of testing, but at least get a baseline so you can see what's going on. And if everything checks out and your hormones are okay and normal, then maybe you need to look at lifestyle habits. Cause I think one of the biggest things that we don't realize is that, you know, our, our lifestyle habits directly affect our hormones as far as like the amount of stimulus and stress you're taking in the food you're eating that are causing inflammation and, and causing your gut to be out of balance. Because remember our gut and our brain directly talk too. So that's going to influence our hormones um, stress because that's breaking down the lining of your gut. And also it's throwing all your hormones off, off balance because that HPA access or that um, hypopituitary, you know, access, it's, it's, it's not communicating with the rest of your body. So I, I think that's where people don't realize that diet and lifestyle are just as much important as if you had to take hormones too. And I think that's a missing piece. A lot of times is looking at that and really making some significant changes in your life, um, are needed. With, with all of the women and men that you talk to, via telehealth right now. Um, people are at home more. People are, in my opinion, I hear a lot of people defaulting to stress where I don't necessarily think it needs to be. I think that people have now adopted stress as a part of their lifestyle when I believe that a lot of the time stress can be a mindset. And here I am. I know that I, you know, I'm, I'm not like everyone else. Like I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to not be struggling financially right now. Like there are a lot of different things that I know people are dealing with, but on a deeper mindset level, people really are adopting a stress mentality because they know that that's the norm now. So mm -hmm. they're like, I'm just going to go with the norm. And I, the number one thing people say is like, yeah, well with 2020 and all, and with 2020 and you know, all the stress, <laughs> yeah. like, look, it's just to me, yes, it's different, but you know, we're going to get through it and things will, they will be what they are going to be. Um, so with all of that being said, with everyone that you talk to, what are some of the top endocrine disruptors or hormone disruptors that you notice from people specifically with their diet and with their environment that you wish you could just shake and replace? Only three? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So I mean, as far as what I think, and this may not be a direct endocrine disruptor, but I think in a way it is, is gluten. <laughs> it's like one of the things I hate most. Um, the reason is because when we're, when we're talking about the body imbalance, which is what we really need for our hormones to be in balance, we, we have to look at things that are causing quote unquote stress, not just physical 
or stressors of like my job is stressful and traffic, but like things that are causing stressors in our body. And so gluten is inflammatory. It is made with a ton of glyphosate, which breaks down the lining of our, our gut, which causes, we know is in Roundup, which causes cancer. It is just a huge toxin in our body. So every time you're eating that, you're breaking down your gut. And so then we know that there's a lack of communication from our gut to our, our brain. And, um, you know, you're not making key enzymes that you need to produce and, you know, produce in your body to break down food. So I think there's that huge lack of communication, um, between the gut and the brain, and that's just really throwing things off of balance. So gluten is a huge thing because it's, it's, you know, causing a disruption in the gut. Now, do you think that it's just processed gluten? What if there was like a nice, beautiful fermented piece of sourdough or, you know, some things that have gluten in them, like, um, I don't know, rye and different things like that, that might be organic. What do you think about those? Because a lot of people say, well, I don't really have a problem with gluten intolerance or, you know, anything like that. Is it, is it something more? You know that, I think that's a great question. I think because of the way our food system is, there is a level of um, inflammation in all of those products regardless. Um, that's why one of the things that I take is called Biomedic because it helps protect our body against glyphosate, so fulvic acid, right? So it's a okay. huge protector of that because I know I am not perfect and I don't eat gluten, but I know that I do eat gluten-free bread sometimes and I know that that's not perfect. Um, I do like a sprouted sourdough if you're going to do anything because it's sprouted and it's a little bit more tolerable on the system. Mm -hmm. It's hard because we're trying to do all the right things, but you know, there's also been research that you have gluten and that can cause inflammation for up to three months in the body. So it's like, you know, I'm just going to splurge once and then you're still causing inflammation. So it's, it's very, very challenging, you know? Um, yeah, it, it's tough. So I think that in, in making sure the gut is, um, uh, balanced is, is a huge thing. I think as far as endocrine disruptors, I think, um, you know, obviously stress is a huge thing that is going to throw the body off of balance. But I think one of those things is the, the constant stimulation of, um, technology, um, and the light, the blue light, because I think what that's doing is it's like training our brain, um, to just just be on all the time and so we're not our our sleep is essentially being disrupted right because um and sleep is when we repair sleep is when we make melatonin sleep is when we decrease our cortisol like all the things right that's and when so we like burn our fat that's when we that's everything right? yeah yeah. So I think, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. It's so difficult, but you know, every time the light, when light hits your eye, it's going to hit the back of your eye to your pineal gland in your brain, right? Which is what makes melatonin. So when light hits it, it's going to say, break down melatonin and bring on cortisol so I can start my day because that's why you should always wake up and have light, right? Um, it's good for you. But when we have this constant, you know, stimulation all day, all night, the brain is confused and it's probably shut down your natural circadian rhythm to make melatonin. So you're probably up all night. You're not making um, enough melatonin to 
calm your body down and decrease cortisol fully. So you're in this constant state of fight or flight, which then we know breaks down the communication with the HPA axis. So you're not going to make the hormones you need. So it's like a whole big mess. <laughs> so so it's I've, really been, I've been telling clients to turn their screen time from like 7 a.m. or it'll be from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. That only like very necessary apps are even able to be used. Yeah. Um, so that as well as blue blocking glasses. But yeah. are there any other tips that you have for sleep or for blue blocking glasses? Like anything that you can think of that would help with that disruptor? Yeah, I mean, I think wearing blue blocking glasses, glasses like as soon as the sun goes down to just get that natural um, circadian rhythm. Um, blue, the, what are they, the shades, the blocking shades in mm -hmm. your room, because even just a little bit of light coming through um, will be a disruptor. Um, you can do those, I don't know if you've seen those pink Himalayan salt lights. Yeah. So I have one in my room and I love it. Yeah, they're like calming. Those are great, like night lights too, I think, um, that are really, really good too. Um, you know, sleep is really challenging. So it's tough. I think people need to try to get into some sort of routine where I know I get into the habit of just watching TV at night. But if you can shut down, you know, say you go to bed around 10, if you can shut down at least an hour or so before and maybe read, um, get into a routine where you're just calming your body down. Um, I, I also love doing like herbs, um, like L-theanine, because that's naturally calming. Um, I take uh, tab two tablespoons of tart cherry every night because that's a huge antioxidant. Um, it helps increase your natural production of melatonin. Um, what, you know, because that's what we're naturally, we're obviously trying to do. I, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to just take a, a pill to, yeah. You sleep, you want to fix the root of the issue and try to restore that. I, I think another thing people or we might miss is that it's not just helping things to calm you down, but it's like calming your brain too. So taking something that is going to help so help calm down the neurotransmitters. So things like making sure your progesterone is balanced because we know progesterone is calming, it increases GABA production. Um, you can actually take a GABA supplement too to increase hmm. that. So what that's going to do is it's going to bring on more of the calming neurotransmitter GABA and calm down that excitatory glutamate. Because when you're anxious or you're thinking all the time, that's glutamate like firing all the time. Um, and so until you calm the brain down, it's going to be very challenging, even if like your core, your cortisol levels are better, if your mind's constantly going. And usually one cannot heal without the other, but those are things that I, I try to do to help with sleep. And sleep is probably, it's always been challenging for me. Um, but it's gotten so much better now that I've worked on the mind stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. And I think that so many people get like sleep anxiety, which, you know, yeah. they're like, I'm stressed throughout the day and I can't sleep. And I'm like, oh God. So there's so many different practices. I just did an episode with another girl, um, Bailey Gilud. You'll have to listen to it. She has some really great practices on there. But um I want to also talk about specifically, um, I know that people always, you know, they'll, they won't necessarily realize that a hormone imbalance is causing their headaches or their um, cystic acne or dry skin, broken hair, the aesthetics. 
but then you think about weight gain and like where you're gaining it and all these different things and and your lymph system um so speaking specifically about the thyroid um i have definitely a personal connection with this because of my mom so i would love to hear your thoughts on um not just your thoughts, but what we can be doing, <laughs> what we can be doing if we have, we might think we have a slow thyroid or what are some symptoms of hypo, hyperthyroid? What are some good practices for thyroid health? Yeah. So thyroid is so important too. And it, it definitely comes back around, I think to, um, directly relates to cortisol. So I'll kind of take it back to that too. So we can see how the two are connected, right? Um, because when we're in this constant state of fight or flight, or we're spitting out cortisol all the time because of all the stimulus that we just talked about, um, we're a couple of things are going to happen. One is we're going to constantly make, um, every time we make cortisol, we make insulin, right? So then every time you make insulin, it's going to increase your fat production specifically around your middle. And this is what I see a lot of, you know, middle-aged women coming in, like I, I have all this fat. I can't get rid of it. It's like a tire around my middle. It's because their constant stimulation of cortisol has now caused this like um, this blood sugar and insulin resistance and blood sugar imbalance, right? So we know that with increased cortisol, we're also going to, every time we spit out cortisol, break down the lining of our gut, right? So then we know that we've further um, disrupted the microbiome in the gut and the brain is now not talking to the HBA axis. So other things are going to get thrown off too. So once that HBA axis is thrown off, then we can throw off things like the thyroid. Because one thing that happens is this cortisol steal, as they call it, where it kind of steals pregnenolone, which is the hormone on the top of the stratogenic um, pathway. So you're going to start to decrease your progesterone and then everything else from there is not going to be able to produce as well. And one of those things also is the thyroid. So the thyroid's tough um, and it kind of relates back to gluten too because one of the biggest causes that we see of hypothyroid, so thyroid has a reverse ratio, right? If if your thyroid's too high, your TSH, your thyroid stimulating hormone, that means it's like sending a signal to the pituitary that is not getting signals now, right? Because cortisol's all a mess, our gut's all a mess. It's like, no, I'm down for business. Like I'm shut down, but it's trying to fire that out. So your TSH is gonna be high, but what's gonna be low is your thyroid hormones. So that's actually hypothyroid. That means everything's functioning slowly, like your metabolism's slow, you may be constipated. You may notice that your hair is like super dry and and frail and breaking um, at the ends. Um, you may notice that like your hands are cold all the time. The lateral two thirds of your eyebrows won't grow in. Those are things and, and dry, dry skin. <laughs> I see I'm terrified. Those are things that are, are super common with hypothyroid, right? And one of the biggest causes of that is actually Hashimoto's, um, which is an autoimmune condition um, of where the the thyroid, the body is basically attacking the thyroid hormone. So it just is not working properly. So with that, you'll see really high antibodies or TPO, thyroid, um, the thyroid peroxidase um, antibodies. So um, that's one of the things you'll see. And, and the interesting thing about that is most people that have that is because of gluten. 
And because the gluten protein mimics the thyroid, the body can't tell the difference and it just attacks it. So one of the biggest things I do with that is take people off gluten, fix their gut and get them on a little bit of thyroid to support them. So one of the, the biggest things with thyroid, I think is obviously cleaning up your, your lifestyle um, or your, your diet a little bit. Um, doing a little bit of support for the thyroid is totally okay. Um, Synthroid is one of those that I use a lot because a lot of people do have antibodies. Um, and if you do have Hashimoto's, that means if you do, everyone wants to do the natural, like the pig and the bovines, you know, the armor. But the thing about those is it still um, has antibodies. Those pig vines have antibodies, so the body will attack it. So you have to use Synthroid if someone has Hashimoto's. Um, but that's totally okay because Synthroid actually is bioidentical. So it's like your body just needs support. There's nothing wrong with supporting the body through this phase. You may need it for a long time, forever. You may not, but you can do other things like um, supporting your body with supportive nutrients, right? So some of the things that you have to use to feed the thyroid are selenium and zinc. Those are the, the two biggest hitters. Um, so selenium, you can take a supplement or you can try natural things like Brazil nuts. So two Brazil nuts every day equals about 200 uh, micrograms of selenium, which is what you need. Um, and also you can try things like um, getting natural sources of iodine, right? Because we know that we have to have enough iodine to um, produce thyroid as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the kelp or natural kelp, or it's like um, sea snacks. Have you ever seen those? Sea that snacks? is, actually, yeah. It, I think you can get them at like Whole Foods. Those are actually a natural source of. I am literally on Amazon right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks like the seaweed kind of. I think that's what it looks like. So sea snacks, and I've I know about Brazil nuts, and I know their benefits. So. It might just be time. I think I need to go, I need to go grab, I need to go grab some. Yeah. Um, also, you know, it's important too, if you think there's a thyroid issue and you need to get tested, which is just a simple blood test, comes back within a couple of days. Um, I would also have them check your iron too, because uh, a lot of times with thyroid, the reason why people, you know, come to me for it, one is because of weight gain, because you're, you know, a lot of people are like, I'm gaining weight, it's my thyroid. But the, another big hitter is hair loss. Um, which happens a lot with thyroid, but you also have to look at, do I have enough iron? Because you have to have enough iron as well to build healthy hair. So I always tell people to make sure you're looking at your iron sources too. What are your favorite natural sources of iron? Because I know that obviously there's like leafy greens and yeah. citruses, but um. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm plant dominant, so I always go for the leafy greens, but obviously, you know, meat, red meat is a great source. I always make sure too people have um, enough source of B complex as well, um, which is really important for anyone that's, you know, plant dominant. I do eat fish too, but I make sure I have a, a good B complex. Um, and not just B12, I mean like, you know, B2, B5, all of them, B6. You all, just take the full broad spectrum. Um, I do. Okay. Do you take it under the tongue? I do. Yeah. Mine is sublingual. Um, I, I feel like it absorbs a little bit better, but you know, B, those are so important for helping with, you know, um, with that as well as detoxifying the body and detoxifying estrogens. Right. So, um, I think a lot of people are 
struggling with like feeling symptoms of estrogen dominance. And so we have to look back at the pathways too, and make sure that we're getting rid of all the bad estrogens too, because there's a bunch of different estrogens in our body. So feeding it with appropriate nutrients to help detoxify it and then giving it antioxidants to get those free radicals out of the body is so important too. That's, you know, again, where a healthy lifestyle and diet come into place too. And I think that's so important too, to to not just talk about the supplements that we could be taking, but also about the detoxification process. Like if you're not regular with your bowel movements, then you're not fully, you're not fully detoxifying and eliminating your, your excess hormones. So you have these excess hormones, especially if you're on birth control, like, and you don't have a regular bowel movement, maybe one, two per day. You know, a lot of people that I talk to again, as a holistic nutritionist, like, like I look at all of these things and I say, I ask people every day, I said, what's your regularity like? Yes. And there are some people, a lot of people say like two to three times per week. So I wonder, you know, how can we bulk up their stool? How can we lubricate their insides? But also like, there are so many things that go even deeper than that. And I don't think that people understand the importance of having regular bowel movements and having proper gut health so Mm -hmm. that they can physically eliminate some of the bad stuff that's happening. Like that's one of the only ways you can get it out. So, you know, even through your urine. So things like dandelion root, things like licorice root to help heal the gut, little things like that, I feel um, really support in that elimination process, but it's, it is so important. And I just don't think that it, there, it's swimming all around us. Our hormones are never leaving. So if yeah. we have excess, like this is about the only body we have, we have everything we need in here. Like we got to make room for more stuff. So, um, yeah. elimination is super important. Well, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, you have to have those, those supportive nutrients to help you get through both phases of detoxification phase one and phase two, mm-hmm. um, that the body goes through to get through, you know, the liver, the gallbladder, and then out, you know, eventually through the stool and the urine. So to get all that stuff out, just like you said. So, you know, that's definitely one thing to look at if you feel like you are, um, having issues too is am I eliminating everything? Am I detoxifying? Is my gut healthy? And again, <laughs> I hate to do it, but it all goes back to the gut too. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge part of all of it. Yeah. Um, do you, and I don't want to keep you for 20 hours. I could, but I no, you're don't. fine. Um, with the gut health, we always go back to it. I know, but what were, what are some of your best practices? So eliminating gluten, getting good sleep, blue blocking glasses, maybe tart cherry before the night, um, eliminating processed foods and sugars. What would you say, like if people could look in their pantry right now, what would you tell them to, I, I hate the word eliminate because it seems so like drastic, but in some cases it's best. Um, what would you tell people to eliminate from their pantry or their fridge right now? dairy (laughs) for sure um you know you really what you're trying to accomplish is live as anti-inflammatory as possible right so that you're not turning things on in the body that shouldn't be turned on and that you're trying to promote what the body is meant to naturally do and naturally heal like you can't out supplement your your way out of a bad lifestyle and diet right supplements are meant to do just that support the body, right? But we can't, we're not going to um, 
replace what a good diet is. So absolutely dairy. Um, you know, I think anything basically that's not anything, but a lot of things that are in a bag are going to be processed to some extent and you can't be sure what's in it. So it could be creating inflammation. So trying to, you know, remove those things or limit them to um, certain days. I mean, I think honestly, like the, the universe has gifted us with the time of like being more at home and being able to cook. So not even so much your pantry, but it's when you go out to eat, you don't know what kind of oils they're cooking with. Are they cooking with inflammatory oils? So we have the ability to cook at home with, you know, things like um, avocado oil and olive oil and make sure that we're putting good things into our, our body. So um, I, I think they, I think it's slow, slow changes at first, like eliminate gluten, eliminate dairy. Those are the big hitters Yeah. that, you know, look at, look at your cycle and look at where you're at too. So if you feel like, okay, I'm in the, the beginning part of my cycle and I'm having a lot of breast tenderness and bloating and I, I feel really sluggish, sluggish. Well, those are symptoms that you could be having too much estrogen, right? And like we talked about, um, you know, estrogen is actually the cooling part of your cycle. So it actually lowers your basal body temperature, um, which means you can adapt to that and eat for that too by eating cooler foods like salads and more raw vegetables and not like super spicy foods. So also knowing like what part of your cycle is in. Um, and, and if you're having those symptoms too, like looking in your fridge and maybe not grabbing for the glass of wine because yeah. that can actually increase estrogen um, as well as caffeine. So I'm not saying that those things are bad and don't ever have them. Coffee has actually been researched to be really, really beneficial for us. Um, just you probably, if you're in that phase of your cycle and you're having those symptoms, you don't want to have more of those two things. Got it. Sure. Well, also when you're reaching for coffee and I've just learned this in the past few years, um, coffee and wine is one of the most pesticide laden crops yeah. that and cotton. So I always think like, shit, I sleep on cotton sheets and I don't know if this, and I Starbucks is not organic, so I've vowed to not go to Starbucks anymore because I want to support local. But um, there's also so many organic coffee brands, and I don't think that people really understand like the yes. importance of it. So yes. coffee grounds, organic, and um, I've been drinking a lot of matcha. So hopefully the antioxidants in there will be will be good. Oh, yeah. so good, yeah. And so and just good. making sure you're getting like an organic um, pesticide mold free um, coffee because mm -hmm. that's a one too. Yeah, um, if you just like Google biodynamic coffee. It is organic biodynamic coffee. It just everything pops up. It's so quick. I think ordering on, I mean, it's not local, but if you order it on Amazon, you know, Whole Foods even supports a lot of local brands. So, you know, yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think too, with what you should um, eliminate from your cabinet too, I always try to give people like the option of what can we add back in too. So, you know, really great vegetables to help detoxify estrogens too are cruciferous vegetables. So broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, um, broccoli sprouts actually have been researched to help um, decrease the incidence of breast cancer too. So like all of those things are, are great to have anytime throughout the month um, to really just make sure we're detoxifying um, I, I always do a greens powder every day too, because it has those nutrients in it in a condensed form that are organic 
but also things like spirulina and chlorella are in that little you know greens protein shake and i i know that i'm not perfect and i'm going to come into context with things you know that i i need to get out of my body so i make sure I get things like that in every day. I get in a good fiber blend um, with rice blend solubles, rice bran solubles, because that naturally increases the the fat burning hormone adiponectin, um, okay. things like that. And and that's something you can even get um, rice bran fiber. I think over like Amazon too. But I have a really good one that I like. But these are all things that you can do to help you know, add into things with your life and naturally detoxify um, and to prevent the hormones build up. Amazing. Amazing. I, I love this. I could talk about this for- <laughs> There's so much to talk about. <laughs> um, and I want, obviously we're going to have you on again. We're going to talk more about <laughs> it. Um, but, and I know that you're so busy, but where can people find you so that they can ask you about your rice brand and your power greens that you take every day and um, if people were to take, um, I know on my last episode, we talked a lot about the um, Dutch test. And for anybody who has done a Dutch test, maybe, you know, if you have questions to send to you, or if you are yeah. taking on clients to go over those kinds of things, then um, where can people find you? Hormone yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like the Dutch test. It's a great, um, great test, a lot of information. Um, and it's easy. You can do it at home too. But yeah, I, I hang out a lot on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm working on gently switching over my platform. Um, so, well, my name more so, but um, you're doing you know, a great job. I know. So it's heavier into the aesthetics, but it's Erin and Jex um, is my Instagram. Um, so you can find me on there. I have a lot of information on there about different things and I'm, I'm putting more on wellness. And then you can go to my website too, Erin Lynn Wellness. Um, it's Lynn with N-N-L-Y-N-N-E. Um, I have a ton of information up there about um, hormones, about gut health, um, and I'll be adding a lot more in the next bit about hormones um, that will be, you know, manageable and feasible tips for you to incorporate into your, your life. Amazing. Amazing. I'm looking at your page right now and I'm, <laughs> I, I was just telling Erin before, um, the podcast, I'm for sure going to go see her in Savannah and get, hopefully get some stuff in my forehead, filing <laughs> cabinet that I have. I love my body, but I know that this is something that bothers me. So I'm going to do that. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put your information in the show notes and I can't wait to have you on again. And remember guys, if you haven't already listened to our past episode together, it went even deeper into gut health. It was so much about gut health. So if you know anybody who's struggling with sleep, headaches, hormones, irregularity, send them over to the podcast, episode 79 and episode 99. Um, yeah, I know. We're getting there. But thank you so much, and we will talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.